Welcome to the Charlotte Shields Coaching Podcast. I have real answers from real spouses of how to uplevel your marriage, even if you've lost hope. You can be the spouse you want to be, and you'll feel appreciated, cared for, and desired again. Let's create your marriage miracle. It's simple, but not easy. Nothing worth having ever is. Stick around to learn what it takes to create the marriage you've always dreamed of. Hey y'all, I am super excited about studying and reading about the life of Christ in the New Testament this year, and I can't tell you how blessed I feel to be able to read about real events that made up his life. I love the New Testament, and I love to especially dissect his interactions with real people who lived in this real world. My favorite question to ask myself is, as I'm reading, is how can I apply Christ's teachings in my own relationships? That is the question that I will be addressing in every podcast this year. How can we relate these interactions to marriage and other really important relationships in our lives? So can you think of a marriage that got off on a more rocky start than Joseph and Mary? They got engaged. And then months later, Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant and there's no way the baby is his because she's been with Elizabeth. And it sounds like a recipe for disaster when you look at it from a worldly perspective, doesn't it? And I believe these chapters reveal a lot about forgiveness. But before we begin, let me quote from a book that I highly recommend, and I'll even show it to you. I have marked this book up like crazy, and we'll be referring to this book a lot in this episode. It's called The Art of Forgiveness by Lewis Smedes. I don't know if that's how you say his last name. I hope so. So in the introduction, he defines forgiveness as the art of healing inner wounds caused, inflicted by other people's wrongs. So then he clears up the false beliefs about forgiveness. And I quote from his book, the notion that if we forgive someone, we are virtually inviting them to wallop us again, or that if we forgive what he did, we are implying that what happened was not all that bad, or that if we forgive someone for doing us wrong, we are exempting him from the demands of justice, or that if we forgive, we are expected to go back into that old relationship that is ruined. These have been my fears in forgiving, but I have learned that what benefits me very most is forgiving. And I'm the one who benefits the most from it. And it really is being able to own your own pain. So let's dive into some of these concepts. First, we're going to talk about what three things qualify a person to forgive. And then what questions I ask myself when hard things come up in my marriage or in other difficult relationships. And then what are the three steps of forgiveness? So back to the old, the new Testament, What can the beginnings of Joseph and Mary's relationship teach us about covenant marriages? So Matthew is the apostle in the four gospels who's most interested in convincing the Jews that Jesus is the savior. And I think that's why he begins chapter one with the lineage of Jesus. He's diving into Christ's genealogy and he prophesies um, things that will be fulfilled. And he wants the Jews to realize that Jesus is the Christ. And he explains the 14 generations between important foretold events to, in his efforts to convince the Jews. But how does this apply to us? And what does this have to do with marriage, Shari? 
the important things in our lives happen in Heavenly Father's timing. The spouse we meet and marry is an important event for every single one of us. Could it not be orchestrated by God in our favor to bring to pass God's work in each of our own personal lives? Is it possible with even with the pain and struggle we experience at times in marriage that all these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good? As Joseph Smith was taught in the Doctrine and Covenants, DNC 122. So one of my very favorite stories is told by Hubie Brown in a life lesson that he observed. And this is what he says. I was living up in Canada and I had purchased a farm and it was run down. And I went out one morning and I saw a currant bush. It had grown up, up over six feet high and it was all going to wood. There were no blossoms, no currants. And I was raised on a fruit farm in Salt Lake and I knew what ought to happen to that currant bush. So I got some pruning shears and I clipped it back until there was nothing left but stumps. It was just coming daylight and I thought I saw on top of each of these little stumps what appeared to be a tear. And I thought the currant bush was crying and I was kind of simple-minded and I looked at it and I smiled and I said, what are you crying about? You know, I thought I heard what that current bush said. Could, how could you do this to me? I was making such wonderful growth. I was almost as big as the shade tree and the fruit tree that are inside the fence. And now you have cut me down. Every plant in the garden will look down on me because I didn't make what I should have made. How could you do this to me? I thought you were the gardener here. That's what I thought I heard the current bush say, and I thought it so much that I answered. I said, look, little current bush, I am the gardener here, and I know what I want you to be. I didn't intend you to be a fruit tree or a shade tree. I want you to be a current bush. And someday, little current bush, when you are laden with fruit, you are going to say, thank you, Mr. Gardener, for loving me enough to cut me down. Thank you, Mr. Gardener. The work I teach is about managing our minds around pain and struggle. And I teach how to be more deliberate and intentional about what we choose to think because our thoughts create the reality of our lives and all the reality in our relationships. When I realized that my thoughts were optional, it changed my life and my marriage for the better. The great news was that I had so much more control over my marriage than I imagined. When I started to catch hold of the thought that the challenges in my marriage were designed to mold me into a better version of myself, I started to catch the bigger vision that was possible. My work became more internal about me and less external about my husband. So what Matthew's perspective of Joseph and Mary taught me is that rarely do our mortal experiences go as planned. None of us know each other perfectly when we get married to our spouses, and there is always much to learn because we are imperfect humans and we're on this planet and there will always be much to forgive and much to be forgiven. So I imagine that Joseph, the father of Jesus in this mortal life, had a lot of work to do on his thoughts during this engagement to Mary because he discovered she was pregnant and he wasn't the father. And my guess is that any mortal man might really struggle with this reality. The book of Matthew describes Joseph as being a just man. So he was righteous. He wanted to be obedient to God and his commandments. And I've come to the conclusion that Mary was an amazing woman and Joseph was an amazing man. He was a good man 
who didn't want to harm her, despite the fact that she was pregnant, out of wedlock and engaged to him. By law, he could have had her stoned, but he didn't want to. So why is this so incredible? Before Joseph knew the truth about Mary, Joseph had chosen forgiveness over vengeance. We know this because in Matthew one time in Matthew one nineteen it says he was not willing to make a public example of her, but was minded to put her away privily. So he was going to do the least amount of harm possible to her, despite his pain and hurt. He chose the higher road on his own before God intervened because of who he was. He chose not to harm her because his heart was right. And it was after he had made this choice that he had the dream when the angel appeared and told him Mary was carrying the son of God and the savior of the world. So how do we know if our hearts are right in our own marriage difficulties? Maybe we have felt betrayed or treated unjustly or mistreated. Joseph felt betrayed. He hadn't done anything to bring this on himself. Mary seemed to be the cause of the problem. How did he choose to respond though? He planned to respond in her best interest, despite what had happened. So Lewis Smedes explains the three things that qualify a person to forgive. We are wounded, we are wronged, and we have the desire to forgive. So he was wounded when he learned that Mary was pregnant. Uh, He was wronged when he thought she's pregnant and it's not my child. And then He had the desire to forgive, we know, because he wasn't willing to make a public example of her. But what's interesting about this scenario is that in the beginning, it appears that Joseph is qualified to need to forgive. We just figured that out, right? But we learn that his perception is distorted. He doesn't have all the facts. What were the facts? He wasn't really wounded because the child was God's. He wasn't really wronged because she didn't do anything wrong. Mary didn't. And then he had the desire to forgive, but there was nothing to forgive in this case. Isn't that kind of crazy when you think about it? So when Joseph knows the truth, it becomes really easy for him to do the right thing. The angel explained to Joseph that Mary was fulfilling the prophecy of the virgin who would conceive. And when he hears this truth, he did as the angel had bidden him and he took unto him his wife, it says, And it sounds to me like they were married really quickly after, and God had given him this path and the way. And I love that he responded so fast to obeying the Lord. And I've learned that when God shows me the truth in my marriage, I need to act on it fast. Like if I need to repent, I need to say sorry and not let my brain talk me out of it. And what I know is the right thing to do, even though it can be hard. And it often involves me admitting that I'm wrong, which isn't that fun. I've learned that many of the problems in my marriage were not based in absolute truth, but my perception of the truth, right? Like Joseph's perception of what was happening, but being coached and hearing others be coached revealed this to me. Besides coaching, I now see the truth of situations by asking myself three questions. When I feel wounded or wronged in my marriage or any other relationship, Let me warn you, it takes some humility to ask these questions. Where might I be wrong in this? Do I need them to feel pain or to suffer, to feel a little bit better? Like, do I need them to to feel really bad? Um, How do I feel better? 
it's up to me with Christ's help to feel better. My healing is my responsibility. I've found the answer to this question that it turns out is always forgiveness and sometimes even repentance. So what Matthew's perspective of Joseph and Mary teaches is that we experience mortality. Our lives and marriages rarely go as planned. None of us each know each other perfectly when we marry, and there is always much to learn. As you've heard in my prior podcast, I didn't respond well in my marriage to difficulties for years. Lewis Smead said it beautifully. When we get obsessed with what someone does to us, then we can't get it out of our minds night or day. Our rage turns to froth. And in short, when we feel more miserable, we swear that we would not forgive someone if he came crawling on his belly. But as we discover that the resentment that tasted sweet for breakfast is bitter fare for dinner, we begin to wonder whether we shall ever be happy again. And we begin to feel a wisp of desire to get rid of the sour taste of hate. It is at this precious moment that we begin to think that perhaps we really do after all want healing. That's when you get humble, that we should quickly pray for more of the desire that has already begun to nudge us. And once we begin to pray, we pr- that prayer may stimulate our desire for what we pray. And God will give the desire a shove. Isn't that awesome how he says that? And it just makes me think of like Elaine on Seinfeld and that big shove that she always does in in that sitcom. She's hilarious. So anyway, I love that. And it explains why when I have felt the worst in my marriage, I didn't even recognize myself. We aren't being the best version of ourselves when we can't forgive. We aren't being who we truly are. And that's why we don't recognize ourselves. That's why forgiveness is so freeing and it's for you. And it's why God wants us to forgive and why he teaches forgiveness. And it is so we can be who we are meant to be. It ends up benefiting us in the end. So let's get how to fix this. Let's get to it. So Lewis Mead explains the three steps of forgiveness when we really have been wronged. Okay. So we're not talking about Joseph anymore. This is when we've really been wronged. The first step is in being able to forgive is seeing ourselves and others as mortal and flawed. This is the first step. We don't see, if we don't see that we will never get past. So we don't see ourselves as flawed to feel bad though, and to berate ourselves or them. I believe the reason to be aware of our weaknesses is to just see that we're all part of the human race, including our spouses. And we're just works in progress. And we all have ways to go in becoming more like our perfect example, the savior. So none of us are enough alone, but with Christ's atonement, we're all enough. As we acknowledge this truth, it's much easier to forgive both ourselves and others. So the first part of the work then is to rediscover the humanity of the person who wronged us. We realize that we all need Christ because none of us is perfect. And we understand that each of us has wronged one another at some point. It doesn't matter who did the most or the worst thing. So the second step is to surrender our step to get even. This often takes patience and work. None of us can fast forward or skip this step. It doesn't happen on our time frame. The natural man in us thinks it's protective to not forgive. We don't want to get hurt again. It will save us from more pain, but the opposite is true. 
as we get to the work of forgiveness, we feel the softening that comes from the savior and we feel so much better. So the third step is we wish that person well. So instead of wishing them harm or to feel bad or all the things. So this is how I know that Joseph's heart was in the right place because he didn't need Mary to suffer or pay for the pain that he was feeling. So where are you at as far as wishing your spouse the very best, regardless of your pain? And it's okay, like I said, for it to take time. And in my podcast, number nine called path to peace, I share my insights, my insights on another Joseph. It's number nine. And it was when Joseph was in Egypt. And he's also an amazing example of forgiveness. Forgiving his brothers didn't mean that his brothers didn't do anything bad and things didn't work out. What it meant was they did do him wrong. But the lesson learned is that good came out of bad or hard. And Joseph chose the path of peace instead of the path of pain, because the path of pain is going to be vengeance, revenge. I want you to have yours. And the path of peace is going to be letting it go. So I have traveled both paths and I know the path, the pain of not forgiving and the peace of forgiving. And I have firsthand experience with this, not only in my marriage, but in other important relationships in my life. And I truly believe that everyone's going to learn this concept because if you want to continue relationships with people that you love, you are going to have to learn to forgive because the thing is, is that we are all going to make mistakes. Absolutely. And the people who are probably going to hurt us worse, worse the very worst are going to be the ones who are closest to us. That's just how it is. We love them so much that it hurts so much, right? So President Nelson has advised us to seek and expect miracles. And I believe in small and big miracles. I look for them. I believe that they are the tender mercies that I see every day when I see God's hand in my life and I look for it. And I have also been blessed with big miracles occasionally. And maybe your big miracle will be being able to forgive, forgiving ourselves, our spouses. It's not easy and it's not done once. And then you get to check the boss box and be like, okay, I'm done with it. President Nelson talks about the joy of daily repentance. And it also means daily forgiveness because repentance and forgiveness go hand in hand. So it's a daily skill set to see ourselves as God sees us and then to practice seeing others as God sees them. And we are all a work in progress and there is no more important work that, or more work that's more worth the effort because by being willing to try, we're doing the work of becoming more like our savior. And I don't know about you, but that's my biggest goal in this life. And there isn't a more amazing example of having the ability to forgive than his. He forgave while dying on the cross. In Luke chapter one, verse 37, an angel tells Elizabeth, the mother of John, the Baptist, that with God, nothing shall be impossible. Later in verse 50, we read where Mary tells Elizabeth that Christ's mercy will be on them that fear him from generation to generation. She is talking about us. We are that from generation to generation. We are entitled to his help. And like she says, his mercy will be on them. And we are entitled to it as we navigate our marriages. God wants your relationships to be wonderful. He wants your marriage to succeed. He will help you. 
by being here and listening, you are making efforts to improving what matters most, your relationship with those closest to you in your life. So if you have found this helpful, please like, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and share with those who might benefit. And I hope to see you here next time.